With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Oh, it's a goal. Who got the assist? Who got the assist? Hello there. Before we start the pod tonight in earnest... Lucy and I had a chat and we felt it was only right to pause for a minute to begin with to reflect on one particular thing that happened this weekend. I think it's only right we take a moment to quietly reflect on a tragic event which occurred and send our best wishes to the victim of a heinous crime which shocks not only us, but all those connected to Chelsea Football Club, the wider footballing world and hell, all of the world. Let's have a moment's silence now to honour the tremendous bravery of Edouard Mendy following the horrendous injury inflicted by West Ham's Jared Bowen basically an assault. As I said, our best wishes go out to him and his family, and we really hope he recovers quickly from what was a frankly disgraceful challenge, and we hope he's back to full fitness soon. Now let's close our eyes and send some positive thoughts for the next minute. Anyway, let's get on with it. That's the only VAR reference I'm going to make on this pod. But we're back, finally, after, well, quite a while. Lucy is back to join me after a Liverpool-esque record of turning up and being MIA to start the season. I think this hopefully will be an unbroken stint now for you. You're right. Did you enjoy your holidays? They were very good, thank you. Well, I was feeling much better before I went to Molyneux at the weekend to watch Che Adams miss a header from a yard and accidentally handball it into the net. But that's by the by. I shall be firmly tuned into FBL until the festive period now, although I can't make any promises about mentions of VAR. We are Who Got the Assist. You can find Tom on the main account at WGTA underscore FPL. And you can find me at Lucy Hynett with two T's and our good friend Nick as well, who I shouldn't forget at WGTA underscore Nick <clears throat> on the pod today. We'll be discussing team structure is now the right time to think about three up top and a move away from big at the back. Plus, we'll have the usual game week reviews, market forces, a and a and so forth. We're recording in the evening of Monday, the 5th of September. So please keep that in mind, especially with the Champions League restarting this week. So yeah. the big is going to happen this week, surely. Surely, let's see. 
Let's see. Right, let's move on to the main topic this week, which is should we leave Big at the Back behind? I had a good question on this on the midweek pods. So I did a very quick turnaround one on Thursday. I took about from France. So FPL Fell wrote in then and he asked about Big at the Back, has it failed yet, et cetera, et cetera. And um, I, I kind of wanted to expand on that a little bit this week, just because obviously this week, again, we've had a fairly poor week in terms of those defenders. And I think, you know, looking at the core components on that pod last Thursday, by which I mean, you know, the teams which comprise big at the back, the root cause was the drop off in Liverpool and to some extent Chelsea. And that's really writ large in the SGA, expected goals against stage one FB ref. So Liverpool fourth lowest, Chelsea sixth lowest. Yeah, that sounds great. But on a per 90 level, as I said last week, those numbers aren't very good compared to last season. So, I mean, Lucy, you were pilloried to start off with pre-season for prediction of turn of the forwards, thinking that big at the bat maybe would have, I don't know whether it vanished, you thought, but maybe it would be something that we wouldn't quite work this year. But how are you thinking about big at the bat right now? I know you, you're you still kind of in the team that I was in until Saturday slash Sunday, which we'll come on to later. Well, yeah, I kind of abandoned my theory that forwards would come back. And then just as I did, they all they all came forward with their goals. And there I was, stuck with big at the back and no way to really get them. Um, I think it's quite a difficult one in the sense that, obviously, we've had Haaland produce kind of ridiculous returns. So that's locked out one space. And then, of course, Jesus has locked down second spot. Um, kind of Even without kind of consistently delivering, he's got those good stats. He's got good fixtures. So really, you've not really looked at anyone else so that's limited our flexibility to a certain extent because we've got these two positions locked out and now we've got Mitrovic and we've got Tony um, and a couple of others that are maybe kind of just about to creep onto the radar and I think people are now thinking well if we've got those two positions locked out how do we adjust to get in the likes of Mitrovic without potentially playing a wild card Tom I don't know who would do that, Lucy. Who would, who would, uh, despite being in the top 100k, play a wild card at this point? Couldn't be me. Tell me. It wouldn't be me. Anyway, um, but yes, no, absolutely. I think there's definitely a, a shifting tide when it comes to how managers are starting to, to kind of set up. But it was still something that, I, that was really kind of nagging at me last week. I didn't really have time to do much data to see if it is indeed true that the bigger back this year has done especially poorly. Now, I didn't quite have the time because it was my first day, full day back at work today to do kind of everything I wanted to. So I wanted to go over every defender, every goalkeeper, every midfielder and every forward over the last five seasons and see what the picture looks like. And what I've had to do instead is cheese it a bit, um, which is while still getting good enough picture, I'm going to basically look at the top 10 point scorers per position over the last five seasons after game week six to see if there is indeed a decline it's a relatively small sample so 200 players over five seasons versus doing every player but i still imagine if we grossed it up to reflect the entire game we'd see similar outputs in the stats what we've seen is that the defense is indeed after six weeks having its worst results in the last five years so 279 points have been scored by the top 10 defenders this year which is just 10 more than the top 10 goalkeepers and the midfielders on 369 and 90 points ahead of defenders and forwards on 350 are 71 points out in front of defenders. This is a huge drop off for the defence. It's a significant drop. So last year, they scored 369 points, the same as the midfielders had this year. I mean, the defenders, the top 10 defenders at least, are down 90 points from where they were at this time last season. Looking back further into the last five, 
This is cumulatively the worst defensive performance to open the season since 2019-20, when the top 10 defenders still open with 325 points. So they're still even further than the second worst performance thus far. In contrast, you know, people looking at the forwards now, the forwards are slightly better off this year than last year. 17 more points scored. But don't forget there's fewer forwards accessible to us. And we had the second fewest available players in that position. Goalkeepers, obviously, there's, not, there's very few. And of course, as Lucy referenced, Portland is the driving force of the forwards. 67 points. That's actually the fourth highest top positional point scorer over the last five seasons. That being said, the forwards are still 40 points worse off than the average of the last four years. Midfielders, by the way, relatively consistent. They always kind of get about 30% of the points scored or so in terms of the top 10s. But yeah, from this perspective, the defence has dropped off. They only scored 22% of the sum of the points scored by the 40 players in the sample uh, compared to an average of 24% over the last four seasons. So a little bit of a drop off. But in terms of the raw numbers, as I said earlier on, a huge difference between defenders, midfielders and forwards. Defenders have had a torrid time of it this year. And using that measure, as I said, it's a bit of a shortcut because if I, in an ideal world, I'd have every player looked at here. The direction seems to be that big at the back hasn't worked this season or isn't working so far this season. I can't imagine that surprises you too much. No, no, it doesn't. There's someone with double city defence and there's someone who narrowly avoided double Liverpool defence. That doesn't surprise me at all. Particularly those two defences have been the big shocks, I think, in terms of I thought Getting Edison as my goalkeeper was a, a pretty kind of reliable, easy way to points and hasn't really worked at all. When we're thinking about three up top, there's also the disappointment, I guess, that comes with the 8 million midfield slot, which is potentially encouraging people to um, look at reinvesting funds. So you kind of got two factors there, I think. Um, Diaz is probably the closest of those 8 million pound midfielders to come towards delivering anything kind of good and you'd expect his spot to come under pressure from the returning Jota especially given that Liverpool's current struggles are kind of persisting so I think you've got two pressures there that big at the back isn't really delivering and that the the slot that I think you and I hyped quite a lot actually pre-season the one we thought would be full of riches and in fact the fact those two have both failed to deliver is putting that pressure I think on our on our teams and making us think about whether we're allocating funds in the best way and then I think you've probably got a third factor in the sense that you've got someone like Fafana or um, fairly cheap Arsenal defenders and, dare I say it, Man United defenders and the combination of Brighton and Newcastle doing all right so far defensively that, again, makes you think, well, I could easily strip out some value out of this big at the back defence yeah. and, and reinvest. I guess you know, the pushback for some would be that you've got a very small sample size here and you could hold and hope versus adapting and thriving. I mean, I mean, you're quite notably keen to follow the template as it is. I'm, I'm guessing you're kind of beginning to look at maybe moving on from the big at the back setup at the moment and adapting and thriving. Or, or do you have any sympathy for that sort of hold and hope brigade who still think, you know, that having five big defenders could well work out in the long run? I definitely have sympathy. I think there's a, there's a good reason why we all thought it was a good strategy at the beginning of the season. And I am one of those people that tends to think that six games isn't really much of a sample size to make any decisions on. But what I will say is I think in a game where we haven't had a lot of decisions to make and a game where you've probably got a bit of transfer flexibility, you know, you probably have huge numbers of fires to work with, which we often do at this stage of the season. 
then that kind of presents you more of an opportunity than you might all already have. And then we've also got that factor that obviously with the World Cup being where it is, we've effectively got the extra wild card. So it's not like you're kind of committing for the very, very long term in the way that you were before. So if you have misjudged it and you need to do some restructuring, it's not like a massive issue. Um, that said, I don't think restructuring, and this is going to sound so bad given that you've played your wild card. I don't think restructuring for an extra forward is that difficult given the structure of most no, it's not. teams. So if you're keen on this and you think you need a Mitrovic or a Tony, if you roll a transfer, you can probably do it in two. And if you can't, you can probably do it in three. And that's a hit. So it's not, you know, a hit this season seems wild and extraordinary, yeah. but really isn't that big a deal. Um, and you can probably do it. So there isn't even a need to play your wild card if you don't want to, although there is, you know, as I'm sure you're going to explain, a lot of advantages to making taking one now. But I mean, if you weren't, I think that there are ways to get there quite quickly. Yeah, definitely. I mean, as, as I explained last week, in terms of the the two defenses or the certain defenses in general just dropping off and creating this sort of question, it's very interesting. And you're right that minus four as a side point is is seen as kind of like wow, that manager has really gone out on a limb here, and it kind of makes me remember, you know, COVID-ridden Christmas when minus eight was the new rolling a transfer. Like it's it's just amazing how these things change, and I suppose that kind of makes me think again about what I was writing in Talisman Theory a couple of seasons ago, that the forwards are absolutely awesome. Only for last season, you know, the defenders just overtake and the forwards just to be nowhere. And I think that kind of maybe there's a lesson to be learned here about neutrality at the start of the season being probably for the best. And as I've said a few times, like planning for last season in the new campaign Maybe that's just not the way to go. I can see why, for example, you know, big at the back was something that people followed up. And it was it was nice to see, obviously, because we pioneered it. But it wasn't necessarily misjudgment. It's just it's the conditions haven't been right for it to flourish, especially with Liverpool, as I said on the pod last Thursday, being unexpectedly absolute pants. So with that in mind, I think let's turn to how we can move beyond big at the back. And the forwards, as we've mentioned, are getting a little lot of attention. I've got lots of questions on the personnel in question, Lucy, which I'm sure we'll reference later on. So in the Q&A, they go. But for now, Lucy, I mean, is it 3-4-3 or is it a 4-3-3? Do you keep with that kind of the four defenders and have some vestige of the original meaning of big at the back or back to the proper old school of 3-4-3, shove all that money into the midfield and forward line and screw that defence? I don't really have a strong opinion either way, um, which I know sounds a bit city on the fancy, so I will try and explain this. I think Gross and maybe Rashford, there aren't really a huge number of midfielders that are taking my fancy at a kind of six million-ish, seven million-ish price point. Let's say six million for now. Um, so it's quite difficult to pull that off, I think, on a wild card. And it feel quite balanced. So I think on a wild card, I'd be looking at four three three. I think as we are now, so if you're if you're working with a wild card and you can afford to reset your whole team, I think four three three is probably might be the way to go. Um, I think if you are now, you may find that you've got um, a premium defender that you can easily downgrade to get the third striker, which I think a lot of people are in the situation. Particularly if you've got someone like Robertson who's really gone off the boil, you can quickly shift funds between the defence and the front 
and maybe 343 is easier to spin into at the moment. I think 433 is probably a preferable, which is why you do on a wild card. Um, because just because I think it gives you a bit more balance, it gives you a bit more kind of um cheaper options so that you don't have to kind of spend all of your money on your first 11. I think it, it probably gives you a bit more flexibility. So I think in an ideal world, 433, but I think a lot of people will find that 343 is easier to execute on the fly, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, I know, I know how you, what you mean. It's just just to talk about it for a second. It feels like, I know memories are quite short in FPL. It's almost like a beautiful novelty to be looking at the forwards again, isn't it? It's like some sort of sunlit upland of opportunity. We were just completely detached from last season. And as a, as a reference, it feels a bit of a throwback. It feels like very kind of old school FPL in a lot of ways. Before I got into the, that kind of the structure question, I just want to point out as well that the forwards, even though you know, I just said all that, actually aren't as open as they appear to be. I mean, obviously, we've only got three slots to play with. But in effect, we've probably only got two or arguably one to differentiate with at the moment. Even if you're on wild cards like I am, I don't think you're going to be doing too much because look, Holland isn't going anywhere, is he? And you know, he's the most owned player now. Jesus just below him. Price dropped this week. But two OK fixtures coming up, Everton and Brentford. I mean, we may see game week nine, eight or nine, when people are starting to wildcard him start to drop out of the at least the top 10k template a bit. Spurs, Liverpool, City uh, are three of the four games between game weeks nine and 12, which are obviously tricky assignments. But, and we'll come on to them a little bit later. It does look like kind of those two, plus someone like Mitro, Tony, Isaac, or the incumbent Jay, or, or you know, if you are, if you are going to kind of mess around with Jesus, like, I guess. Two of those four are the ones that we're kind of looking at at the moment, which does remind me of you know the season with a couple of years back with Calvert Lewin, Bamford, all of these individuals who were of interest to us. Now, whether you go through or through at the back at the moment, if you are just making transfers, I think it's probably easier just to kind of take down. Um, I'm assuming most people have four rather than a five. If you've got a five, you probably go for four, three, three. If you've got four plus a Neko, you probably take as they said one of the premiums down. And where I'm a wildcard at the moment is still a 4-3-3 just about. It's actually a tougher choice than you'd think. That's because I need to decide if I ditch Trent. So I gave um, an answer to, I think it was FPL Koboloy last Thursday night saying, you know, don't wildcard. I've now 100, one, completely 180 and I've wildcarded myself. So really sorry, Koboloy. I will explain that later, but I acknowledge that I've done it. But... As so per one that... second, you just said no Trent because I physically gasped. No, no, I, I so I don't think I'm going to do it. I've okay. still got I've, I've got Trent at the moment in the four, but like basically, if right now there are three kind of defenders I really want, they are Reese James, Kieran Trippier, and a City defender of some description, probably Ruben Diaz. I'll speak about why it's not Cancelo in a bit. The fourth player I probably would want is Trent. No, so he's in the moment for me for Wolves right now. But I feel like, you know, between game week 8 and 11, when people do wildcard in game week 8, Liverpool then have Chelsea, Brighton, Arsenal and City. And given the state of that defence to the eye and also the data, it wouldn't surprise me if we see Trent as well begin to be sold off by people. I, I think that that's kind of quite interesting to, to think about too. Because if you don't have Trent and, you're in, and you've got kind of, therefore, a bit of money to play around, then the players like you know, our 8 million guys, the likes of Zaha, 
come into the discussion a bit more and we kind of have a, a, an extra midfield slot effectively which opens because you then kind of have your three defenders your four defenders or something like that especially you, know, you mentioned him earlier for Farner a guy like that just coming in and being a, a great sort of bench sitter alongside Neko and you've got a decent three at the back and live for tough fixtures I can see it moving that way and I really can and um, just to kind of move to kind of free at the back and it going proper old school for a while should be quite nice it would be like you know you, when when, the sh when your shuffle takes on your your favorite hit from the noughties as it happens every now and again you're like yeah bang him bit of slipknot why not i mean it, it does happen right <laughs> yeah it does happen i didn't even know what to say the slipknot reference just threw me completely <laughs> uh, there's a bit, bit of, there's a bit of duality about my character put it that way <laughs> Um, I don't think there's a there's a set way to do it, mainly because we only have six games to to judge on. But I I would be reluctant to lose Trent just because I think he's one of those few players in the game that can do something ridiculous to you, and that probably is because I've transferred him out a couple of times. He's immediately burnt me, so maybe I'm kind of scarred by my own experiences. But I feel like it doesn't take a lot for Trent to make you regret things, and I feel like. If Trent gets into a decent run, then you're not going to find an eight million pound midfielder that equals him. Um, yep. So I'm not really, I'm not really prepared to give up on him yet. And if I was to wildcard in the next couple of weeks, as I suspect I will, um, I, I haven't really considered getting rid of him. Um, Cancelo, I'm actually warmer on getting rid of, um, just because I think Diaz is a decent alternative. Uh, but yeah, Trent, I just, I can't really get my head around that. And maybe it's me being stuck in the past, and maybe I need to update my views based on kind of the struggles of Liverpool so far but I feel you know we've heard that Thiago's coming back to fitness um I feel like they they just can't carry on being this bad forever can they no I think the abiding principle as well at the, or big at the back that there's great value in a player like Trent still holds true like despite them having a bit of a dodgy start to the season it's still probably true that 7.5 given what he can offer Trent is probably better value than pretty much all the midfielders in the in kind of the mid price mid to upper price mid slots. You know, Cancelo is not in my wildcard team. What was really interesting, yes, I know six game weeks, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, but he's still the top scoring defender. Did you know that? No. <laughs> yeah, he's the top scoring defender at the moment, and um, he's got such a bad like his data this season is dreadful it really is yeah, I, know I looked at his data i didn't look at his score <laughs> i know his, his score is did a worldie yeah but his xgi is 0.5 that's the same as the likes of tom davies and dewsbury hall and a, a few players who have double his xgi this year dallow adam armstrong and purvis estupinian which is an italian or spanish speaker's way of saying it's an opinion by the way and Estupinian has played just 170 minutes, which I guess you know, that, that tells the story, doesn't it, really? Well, I, I think mean, so much of his positioning, if you look at him, he's, he's kind of like a defensive midfielder, isn't he? It's not, it's not hugely surprising. That's the thing. He's, he's basically just, it's, it's not really quite working, is it, at the moment? Oh, maybe, you know, Pep's going to be like, oh, got you one one week, and then he'll be unleashed. So with Walker out, maybe him, him moving to the right will presage a change, but... At the moment, that is a quite a good point, actually, which I hadn't considered. You've almost kind of talked yourself through that. Is that given that Walker didn't train today on Monday, the 5th of September, there is that potential that he has to move over to the right and they use the new guy at left back. Um, 
in which case he probably doesn't tuck in quite so naturally and they might need to use him as a more traditional fullback, maybe? Maybe, maybe. I mean, it'll be interesting to see whether they unbalance the team, especially with the drawing to Aston Villa of all people. That's almost as bad as drawing to Everton, isn't it? Um, but, you know, you know, I, you know what I mean? I think that maybe uh, I'll think about it a little bit more. I, I'm, I'm still... I've been a bit concerned by Cancelo, especially by watching for watching him. And apart from that worldie, there's been nothing about him which says seven million pound worth in FPL. So, in summary, uh, is it time to move away from big at the back? I mean, Lucy, it sounds like you're grasping at it, scrabbling and hoping you can hold on to it. But it kind of sounds like you're kind of thinking, you know, in the next few weeks, maybe in your wild card, it may be time to move some of those funds forward. I mean, I'm not hugely big at the back now because I've kind of slowly been downgrading such some great moves such as Reese James to Dunk, which has gone so well that I've got zero points from two weeks from Dunk. So thanks so much for that. But there are moves I've made that have slightly downgraded. So I think I've got two players that I paid four and a half for and a five million. So it's not I'm not quite so in the deep end as some people are. Um, and I yeah. I don't know if I'll downgrade that much there. I think if I want to go for a striker before a wild card, I'll probably use Diaz as a make weight because that's my easy bit of locked up money. Um, I don't know if I'm ready to to quit on Cancelo yet, but we'll we'll see. I think a lot of my plans are going to revolve around what we see in the next week or so. Fair enough. I, I think just in general, even though the sample size is small and some will definitely find that unsatisfactory, I still come back to this idea that each season having its own sort of element of individuality about it. And I think it's very important that we adapt and thrive with that season's character. So think about last year around this time, we started dumping the forwards pretty quickly. I mean, Antonio did stay for a while and probably stayed too long after the initial flurry. He was rubbish, wasn't he? And we should have just gone down to Kane plus two duds very quickly. But I completely understand people are sounding that sort of patience gong and there's definitely a question around using what we've got now to predict the future. But that's an academic question to me, I think. Like, we need to, I guess, make judgments to maximise our points yield as FPL managers. And you've got, for me, you've always got to move the times. And much like how we dropped the fours last season, as I said, I feel like people will begin to come away from it in the next couple of weeks. Maybe we'll see the defenders next weekend completely poo all over me. But there's opportunities elsewhere now, which is what's really interesting. It's just, and we'll speak about the players in, in the Q&A, where you go with it and how, and how you kind of uh, work that in. But yeah, no, definitely, I think the data seems very, very ropely uh, to be pushing you in, pushing us, you, me, us in that direction. I think it'll just be interesting to see how that works out. And you'll get a case study of how it works out uh, with seeing how I do with my wildcard, which we'll discuss in the second section alongside all the other bits in just a sec. Who got the assist? Who got the assist? Right, we're back in the second half of the pods, starting with the game reviews. How did we do this week? Well, I can reveal exclusively that it was a terrible week, as it was for probably most of you listening. And we also drew. So I think we're, we're, we're pretty close, aren't we, Lucy, in terms of points? I think last week I just about edged in front, didn't I? You did. You got 90 and I only got 83. So you've opened up a huge seven-point gap. Oh, to be uh, completely destroyed this week by the players that I've sold, I'm sure. Uh, how did you get on this week? I got a miserable 39, although not as miserable as some of the scores I saw out there. I think if you had a template team, basically you didn't do very well. 
Um, my notes here ask me to identify what went well. Um, not a lot. Um, I got the, the captaincy call correct with Mr. Harlan's nine pointer and my transfer um, gross in for the injured Lavia um, delivered an assist. How I managed to get just one assist from five goals from Brighton, I'll never know, but there we are. Um, the rest of the team was a total train wreck, as I think it was, as I said, for everyone. Uh, my two recent defensive transfers, which I touched on earlier, Kukurea and Dunk, have been a total disaster. And double city defence isn't really paying off, having been our early season differential. Hmm. Really isn't a lot of point to it now. So, yes. How about you, Tom? Yep, 39 for me as well. Feast of famine after a massive 90-pointer last week, as I said. So, I mean, Reese James dropped on Saturday morning. Thank you, robots everywhere. Um, so I was able to transfer him straight back in for Kukurea uh, rather than the Aronson to Gibbs-White move that I mooted on the Thursday night pod. And that's another decision that's left me down a tad. I mean, obviously, that can't really grumble. I'm just in up 100k at the moment. But I'd have another three more points if I bought Gibbs White in and James hadn't dropped. So yeah, I mean the same as you, only returners this week, Holland captain, and Neko Williams with an FPL assist. That was it. And Trent obviously being subbed off in the fifth ninth minute. I think that, that just summed up the week, I think, for, for most people. I know he's highly owned, but that that's it really, isn't it? Uh so yeah, I mean uh not a disaster. Shouldn't panic after that. Shouldn't wildcard, but I have. And I will speak about that in just a little bit. Next thing, uh, let's move on to the Min League update. The Min League code is J-U-X-X-E, or as Danny Lyons would say, just use triple X, easy. <laughs> and um, I just want to just quickly reference that poor old Tajiri Mayoron, who was top last week, is now down to 37th after disappointing 33. So it's, it just shows one bad week at the moment is enough to put you in a bit of a spin, but I'm, I'm sure he'll recover, that's for sure. It does mean we've got a new leader. Who is Bryce Liare? I'm really sorry if I pronounced that wrong. Uh, Divi Dendinho United, 73 points this week for Bryce. Ridiculous. Wow. He and Jonathan Treadaway in second with Darwinian selection. Both 73. Jonathan on his wild card as well. And the key for them was that they were both Tony owners and both had Pope in goal. So very, very good weeks for them with 73. And that is by far probably the highest score in the middle league. Uh, in third, David Dart up from Sith. One of those many many people last week who had joined Sif. 52 points for David, a team with no name. He's joined equal thirds. Uh, Jonathan Arkless up from seventh. Robin Hill uh, was his team. Uh, in fifth, Ed Straw up from 98th to fifth. <laughs> what a jump that is. Just off a 62-pointer this week. I am a football team. Imaginative name there for Ed. Uh, in sixth, up from 55th, it's Tom M, Kinder and Buemo. I think that might be Tom Med, actually, a dummy Tom. Uh, so well done, Tom. Uh, 58 points for him. I'm sure he had Tony. That's for damn sure. He said it. In seventh, uh, joint seventh, that is, it's Dan Ingus, Den Haug, it's Den Haug United, and Eugene G with Jenny Prick back, back again. 56 and 59 for those two, respectively. And equal ninth with, uh, haven't jot a clue, Andy Mayheggy last week. He was joint second, 44 this week. And... All the way up from 27th, Joseph Wickoff with Pedence Potables. Another 52 for him takes him into the top 10. Well done, everybody. Market forces worth having a quick look at just because we are a little bit... Normally we record just after the games are finished, but we've had a day now. And it's really interesting. You can see the template hardening, Lucy. You really can. The likes of Trippier, uh, Tony, and uh, being brought in. I think it's about 160, 170,000 managers when I checked 
Gross is still being brought in as well after his mini KDB performance of only getting an assist uh, in a 5-2 win. Nick Pope, over 100,000 transfers in for him. I mean, uh, definitely a lot of movement there. I think it's just because of that horrible injury to Edouard Mendy. People are just, they're going elsewhere now because... It, Logical it, route of the Mendy owner, isn't it? Is he going to recover? That's the question we've got to ask ourselves. I mean, Six weeks out. Bowen literally kicked a hole in him. And it's it's just disgraceful. I'm I'm surprised Bowen wasn't banned forever. Like Pickford should have been after assaulting Van Dyke. So I mean, Pope 103,000 transfers in, and Martinelli rounding off top five. I, mean, I, I, I said this last week with Holland as well, when there were 500,000 managers buying Holland. Maybe to a lesser extent, Martinelli 100,000 managers. But I mean, if you got to this point, Lucy, and you didn't have a Holland or you didn't have a Martinelli or something like that. Would you still be thinking, oh, I'm going to bring this guy in? Or, or would it be the case that you feel like that you've missed the boat? Maybe, maybe not, not quite as true with Haaland, actually, because you yeah, always I was about to say, him. yeah, I'd have Harland, I'd bring Haaland in if I didn't have him just because he's, you know, he, he looks like he could have, you know, if not perma captain potential, then close to it. So if you, if you just sit there with your fingers stuck in your ears, you're probably going to lose out there. Yeah, someone like Martinelli, given that his fixtures are turning and. You know, there are other potential options opening up if you if you like your gross or your Rashfords. You know, it's not like a compulsory thing to have Martinelli. So, yeah, maybe if I didn't have him at this point, I probably wouldn't have him. Um, there are a few others that potentially, I think, given that we're seeing this fixed return, kind of game week nine-ish, there are probably some others that are being leapt on that probably shouldn't be leapt on. Newcastle, by contrast, probably you're, you're ahead of a curve if you get big on those um given that their fixtures are improving so significantly quite shortly so yes i can see some of the why why some of those are happening and not so convinced on others music to my ears with trippier and pope the newcastle double up the new city double up now i'll explain that later and um, being sold not particularly surprising rodrigo uh with the uh, shoulder knack i think he'll be out for four or five another four weeks something like that I'd probably i did like that break. our friend harry told himself that it had been popped in, so it would be fine. <laughs> oh, Harry, keep doing you. 171,000 sales for Rodrigo, and I'm assuming that's where the gross buyers are coming in, and maybe the Marcelli ones as well. Uh, Salah has been sold by 145,000 managers. I'm hoping that I can sell him for 13 and get him back for 12.9, give me 0.1. We shall see. I doubt it's going to happen. Trent as well, 100, over 100,000 sales for him, people getting to Trippier. So, I mean, you know, it's happening. You can see it. It's just kind of how that does shake out. Perisic as well. Um, nearly 100,000 transfers out for him. And Mendy, as I mentioned earlier on. Jesus also is the top sold forward at the moment. So but he did drop on, I think it was I think it was last night. Um, and I think that those people are going to Tony with him after that hat trick. So you can see the sort of new template beginning to form if you look at the market forces, that's for sure. There's some reactionary stuff potentially, but also you can kind of see why these players are beginning to become of interest to people. Although I'm still interested, intrigued to see that, you know, for example, Gross is being brought in. Um, I think it's this one. It's this one of those, isn't it, where he's just having a very, very good start to the season. It's one of those as well, where if you did kind of get on him very early, well, you've made hay from that. <laughs> that's for sure. Right, let's move on to the Q&A this week. Quite a few questions. Thank you very much. Mark, FPL positivity to start with. We kind of touched on this earlier on. 
He asked, looking at stats and fixtures after game week 16, who sits alongside Haaland as the key strikers out of Mitro, Tony, Jesus and Isaac, who has come onto the scene for many people. But Lucy, what do you think here? Would you be keeping Jesus uh, uh, if you were wildcarding now? That's probably the, the first a good starting point. Yeah, um, yeah, Jesus is one of those ones I had a kind of like last risk by. Um, if I was wildcarding now, I would be tempted to get rid. Um, ideally, though, I'd be wanting to wait a little bit longer. Um, their fixtures turn soon, but not soon enough if if you're wildcarding right now. Um, so, yeah, hate to hate to loop back on myself. Maybe actually, you keep him on a wildcard and get rid of him in a few weeks. I don't know. Um, yeah, I don't think his time has come yet. And and the reason I say that is because A, the fixture is still all right. B, he's posting really good stats. I think his NPXGI per 90 is just is the only person he's second to is Haaland. So he's, he's doing pretty good from that perspective, if you don't mind the small sample size there. Um, and of course, I hate to bring up the spectre of ownership, but he is very highly owned, as we've just touched on. So if you bet against him and you get it wrong, it's going to be quite painful. So at the moment, I would have Jesus in. Very soon, you might be tempted to gamble against him. Um, and I think the other person is I'd be looking at is Mitrovic, um, just because he is posting great stats and he's doing it at a really affordable level at the moment. Um, obviously, that's going up. But given his value he represents, he would be my other lock-in. Um, and then, yeah, and then you could use that Jesus, Jesus spot for Tony or Isaac or whoever you fancy in a few weeks. Probably how I play it anyway. Oh, yeah, that sounds about right. I mean, uh, Isaac, Isaac, I don't know how you pronounce that. I need to look that up. Oh, um, yeah, I was calling it, I don't know if Isaac's right. Uh, Isaac, Isaac, I don't know. But you know who I'm talking about. Uh, we will sort that out next week. Forward. The Newcastle forwards, who isn't Callum Wilson nor Chris Woods. He's an unknown punt, isn't he? But OK numbers in Spain with Real Sociedad, an average of 0.55 XGI per 90 with them over the last three years, which is pretty good. A quieter campaign in terms of output last year. So just six goals. He was expected to score 11, though, so a bit of an underperformance. And that's pretty impressive, actually. I say that, but then when, when Vote Weghorst joined the Premier League, I was citing his numbers at Wolfsburg, which are very similar. So we don't know, but to the eye of the last couple of games, he's looked pretty impressive, hasn't he? And as you referenced earlier, Newcastle Fitch is looking very decent too. So it could definitely be an uber differential at that 4% ownership. In terms of the more settled players... What I like about them is that the talisman, all of them, uh, Mitrovic, Tony, and Jesus, I, I think still probably would be in the conversation, at least for Arsenal in terms of being the talisman, see how that goes. Lots of ways to look at that. Uh, Non-pen XGI is probably the best, as Lucy's referenced already. Um, all in the top 10 for that this season. Uh, Jesus top currently. Um, and a very impressive 0.92 XGI per 90 thus far this, this season, which is, is that's, that's, that's really good. Uh, third overall. And Arsenal fits his arse stiffening though. Spurs, Liverpool, City, all to come uh, very, very soon. So uh, maybe we'll see those impressive numbers tail off. And in fifth, Ivan Tony with 3.7 XGI. Uh, Shades Mitro's 3.5, but it's really close to the two of them. It really is. Uh, what's really interesting, though, is noting that Tony's XGI is fueled by an impressive XA. So his, his expensive assist is 1.9 uh, versus Mitro. It's just all about the non-pen XG. So his is 3.2. That's the fourth highest in the Premier League behind Jesus, Kane and Haaland. So both owned by a similar amount of managers. So the spectre of ownership can be binned off. And I think it's just, it's really interesting to kind of figure out whether you want the out-and-out goal scorer in Mitro, the complete forward in Tony. The fixtures are pretty similar as well. So 
Fulham have got Chelsea, Forest, Newcastle, West Ham, Bournemouth, and Aston Villa. Whereas Brentford have got Southampton, Arsenal, Bournemouth, Newcastle, Brighton, and Chelsea. Uh, I, I think it's marginally better for Fulham. And the fixture tick, the fixture ticker on Fantasy Hub agrees with me. But it's a case to take your pick, really. I completely agree with what you're saying about Jesus. He's not leaving my team for the moment. I think he probably will in, in a couple of weeks. And I'll probably pick up the other one that I don't pick up um, of Tony and Isaac, depending on who's doing better. I've got Mitrovic on the wild card, but I can end up with him plus one of Tony or, or Isaac very, very easily and, and no Jesus eventually, that's for sure. Yeah, very interesting. Um, and it's really a case of just figuring out the character that you want. I think more routes to points with Tony could be a clincher for some people. Having a system which seems to be designed to serve Mitrovic is something that I really like because at the end of the day, uh, the goals well really where it's at, both on penalties as well. Yeah, but Tony's penalty taking and free kick taking, as you saw this weekend, are both pretty damn good. Next question, data sample size again. So friend of the pod, Adam Pritchard, who's sex den I was actually at on Saturday. Uh, so I watched, the, watched, some, watched some games with him up in North London. Um, he asks, uh, do we have enough of a sample size, citing stats in the eye test now, to validate concerns around underperforming premiums? And does that mean we can identify some breakout stars who wouldn't have been our thoughts otherwise? And does it basically mean that Salah is a crock of excrement? I mean, Lucy, you've got some thoughts here on the on Salah, I believe. I mean, what do you think about all of this? Is, is it the case that you know the, the stats are now pointing us elsewhere? Well, I just I've seen quite a lot of frankly ridiculous takes on Salah this week, and I, I feel like I just have to have a little rant about this just because it. It marries in quite well into what Adam's been asking. Um, in answer to his first question, do we have a large enough sample size? I don't know if we have one to make very kind of graded decisions between players. So if they're quite close on stats, you don't have a huge sample size to say, well, that decimal point makes a difference there or this number of touches makes a difference there. But I do think it's it's enough now to kind of make broad statements about a direction of a player and whether they're offering value um which brings me on to Salah um I think it's quite clear that Liverpool aren't where you'd expect them to be and they have issues and I think that's particularly true in midfield given that we've seen Artur come in loan on loan and and a few discussions about what the direction of their midfield might be and obviously we've seen both Trent and Robertson see early subs and, and um, rests, which also kind of points to the key, key creators in their team having problems. Um, but I do think some of the reaction around Salah himself and him as an FPL option are, are kind of quite hyperbolic and a little bit insane. I think it's partly because he's not keeping track with um, Haaland, obviously, who's, who's absolutely smashing goals in. Um, and it's partly because people are frustrated with having money tied up in him. Um, but we know that it's likely that Haaland won't be able to play every game and therefore you need another premium to take that captaincy armband when when, when it's needed. And having looked at his non-pen XG um, I per 90, it's still well over 0.7, which is within his usual ballpark, although not to the heights of last season, but it was pretty consistent with the previous two seasons. Um People are talking about general width during attacks so that he looks a little bit wider than he normally is, but heat maps don't really show a lot of that. Um, I know the Athletic also kind of dug into whether that was true, whether his touches were changing or moving. Um, their headline analysis suggested there'd been a 5% increase um, in his shots from the right channel, um, his touches in the wide, right channel, 
Um, I looked into it. Again, you're looking at a six-game sample size, so 5% probably isn't that statistically significant. Um, and having dug into their own little map that they made, he's actually getting more touches um, in the centre of the penalty box, which they kind of sketched over because they didn't think it fitted their agenda on that one. Um, so there are, there's lots of evidence right now that he's not quite so bad as people make out. Um, I think a big influence is that he hasn't seen like a heap of penalties. I think if he'd seen penalties and he supplied points, people wouldn't have worried about it as much. Um, so I, I just think people need to be a little bit patient with Salah at the moment. Um, there's not really another premium of that ilk demanding you buy them right now. I mean, Kane's making the best case probably. And even then he's not, you know, he's not jumping out to such an extent. So given that we know that there are other forward options, so you probably wouldn't want to go down that route. I just think there's there's plenty of a case to just hold off on kind of jumping to conclusions on Salah. Um, I think he's a great captaincy option this week and people need to just chill out a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I, I've still got Salah in my wild cards as a squad player. Uh, that probably is what, uh, and, and the, the prime vice-captain asset. I think that that, Probably, if you said that any other season would sound preposterous, and probably speaks to that kind of discomfort. I think that you reference, but I, I still kind of, you know, I'm not able to fit in Kane at the moment in the forward slots because, as we said, they're so congested. I could go with KDB there, but again, uh, I'm not sure, especially with the midweeks. And I, I guess it, it goes back to what I said last week about not being sure about other players in the premium bracket. I'm not sure about Sterling yet. I'm not sure about Bruno Fernandes yet. I'm not sure about X, Y, and Z yet. And there's so much credit in the bla- in the bank where Salah is concerned. So credit in the blank, Freudian slip. Um, and I just share your cynicism on statements about his demise as well. Like I- I've still got faith in him to some extent. I know there's tough fixtures coming up, but I mean, I can probably see why you'd be removing Trent because you're losing that sort of clean sheet ability. But with Salah, I mean, he does doesn't do too badly in the big games, does he? Uh, yeah, um, and just because there's, there's no one really putting their hand up conclusively to replace him at the moment. There's that legacy of love I've got for Mo, which makes me think I'll give him more time. Hopefully, have him for twelve point nine. And um, the other point I'd make is that I'm sure Klopp and the Liverpool team would have realised that you know you've got your one of your kind of key threats currently not really. Uh, getting the outcomes that his data or his positioning might deserve. So I, I wouldn't be surprised to see there being an engine, a re a re-engineering of the approach at the moment. And, um, but it is obviously concerning that the one moment of real threat was that late big chance on Saturday. And otherwise it wasn't, it, it wasn't really there for him. Was it in that game? And with, with Nunez you know, taking the majority of the shots and the one I'd really like to sort his life out is son. Um, like you know, I don't think anyone would have predicted at this point in the season he'd just be sat with I think it's one assist, isn't it? Um, but yeah, is it zeros? Is it, no, is he, it he got we got one assist on the first game week. Yeah. Oh, okay. It was so long yeah. ago. I forgot even. I know. I know. It's a, a few proper, you know, straight at the keeper sort of shots as well. Where yeah. last season you'd have bats him to bats him to score them, but I think he's one of these, isn't he? That he just. I know we don't, we don't like to I don't really like to use the term inform or uh, but I think he he does that that confidence he needs from just the ball hitting the back of the net one time I think that would be kind of 
a bit of a starting platform for me when I start to think, oh, hang on a minute. Like, I, I can't quite, I can't back him at the moment. If it, Man City next, I, I'm not too concerned about that. I think there'll be loads of goals in that game this weekend. But I can't quite back him yet just on what I've seen. But if he does start to score, um, I think that that would be the moment where maybe selling Mo does start to come onto the table. I mean, Spurs' fixtures, yeah, they're, they're not great, but they're okay, compared, especially compared to Liverpool's on paper. And you could create a flimsy pretext for yourself for selling Salah if you just think, oh, okay, well, Spurs have got well, Leicester in game week eight, the North London Derby in game week nine, Brighton, Everton, United, Newcastle, Bournemouth up until game week 14. That's, none of that is particularly bad. Um, none of that would particularly worry uh, would particularly worry me. Um, so I mean that that would probably be the way that I go. But at the moment, got Salah. He's the vice captain, and I can see why that's going to make people think, "Oh, yeah, you know, I, I don't really want him." But I just don't. I'm not really too sure where you go. Um, I'm, I'm not sure yet. I mean, maybe you have the money in your bank and just kind of just distribute it out outwardly, which I was thinking about, but maybe not quite this week. Next question. Uh, Michael Lowe says Robbo has been drinking the Last Chance Saloon for a while. Wow, you've got the patience of a saint, Michael. You really have if you've <laughs> still got him. Um, but he asked, should he be allowed to stay for last orders with Wolves home next? And he says, Lucy, can you tell us if Wolves are any good? Or is it a case of, quote unquote, just saints doing saints things? So, I mean, what do you think about that one, Lucy? I don't even know what he means by saints doing saints things couldn't possibly understand i mean i yeah, i did put on my notes where he said that robbo being in the last last chance saloon was was the case i feel like at this point robbo's locked himself into your team like you know it's after shutting and he, he's still in there somehow i don't know how you still got him but well done i don't know if it's a well done or a oh dear but well done we'll go with well done um i think if you've held him to this stage and you've only got one free transfer i would keep going it sounds mental <laughs> but on the on the showing i saw um this weekend against saints wolves were their kind of typically steady selves i didn't see them creating loads of chances they know that they have a striker problem um unfortunately Sasa Kladzic picked up an acl injury in his first 45 minutes so he isn't going to provide the solution. Diego um, Costa might. Oh, you, you take him, my, my real. Pla- <laughs> that was my punchline there. Diego Costa is apparently in talks with Wolves. And I think that probably shows you how, seems mean, but desperate they are for a centre forward who can provide them with a bit of cutting edge because that's the area where they really struggle. I think they'll be quite challenging for Liverpool in a, in a midfield from a midfield perspective, because I think they've got a lot of quality there with Neves, Moutinho and Nunez. But I just, I don't think they're at a point yet where you need to worry about them from a, if you own defensive um, assets against them. So if you've only got one free transfer, I probably would just leave Robbo where he is. If you've got two, that's where I'd be more tempted to use Robbo as the make yeah. weight for a forward. Um, but I'm not sure that would be worth a hit. So that's why I'm saying you'd need the two transfers in the bank. For that um yeah if, you, if you're a bit limited on your flexibility i'd probably stick yeah i agree i, I think the drop-off for robbo has been pretty significant unfortunately and the five sub rule means that you know he and shimikas you know, he's got an, a, a natural sort of replacement in a lot of games and indeed shimikas started this week um means that i'm not at all convinced he's going to be in our plans as often this season as he was in in previous years but yeah broadly i agree 
a lot of it comes down to you know the later plans like you know are you maneuvering to a wild card the next week or so and if so i mean you probably want to roll that free transfer this week and punt it out with two final dead end sort of one week punters next week right i mean give it the wolves game as lucy said they're struggling to score hope you get that double clean sheet payoff kiss him goodbye next week seriously incredible patience i i i really yeah. admire you i mean wolves only really scored because bazunu dived the wrong way and got confused by a podent's kick into the ground otherwise i didn't think they'd have scored um and if you're not scoring against Southampton, are you scoring against liverpool i don't think so anyway moving on yeah, i suppose the, this marries on next to the next question quite nicely um fpl inzi asks who would be your best one week punts per position for those wildcarding in game week eight, so they need a one week punt. Well, I'm, assu- I'm assuming I don't mean def- don't mean the def- goalkeepers, so I'm going to leave that. Yeah, one. I'm going to. I haven't. <laughs> I haven't got any ideas for that one. Good luck with that one. Nothing. And um, so defenders, I'd actually be looking at the Wanner. Like just, just. I mean, I, I know that you probably you know if you could look at like you know a player who can come in and grab you an assist or something. But for me, I I kind of actually be looking at a uh, Gabriel. Uh, Magal Hayes, who I've just sold actually. So, you know, you've got even more chance of him actually scoring now. He's got the best XG amongst defenders. Uh, so maybe give him a go. Uh, Everton this week as well. Um, that could be one to to, to go with. Um, difficult amongst the defenders because uh, unless you kind of, uh, tri- I'm not sure Trippier counts as a punt, um, but probably one of the best all round attacking players. For him though, is it either? No, it's not fantastic, is it? West Ham have been uh, on and off. This year, like that wouldn't put me off buying him for a long term thing, but if you're li- literally looking to maximize your points production off one transfer, that I probably wouldn't put him in this in the conversation. Yeah, maybe Est Opinion at Brighton, if would probably be the one that I'd be looking at, maybe Dunk and the same level of could do a goal. Um, yeah. I think Brighton and Arsenal are the two two defences I'd be looking at if you're looking for a defensive punt. But I think if I was doing a one-week punt, I probably wouldn't look at defence. I don't don't think there's that many obvious ones for this week. I'd probably be looking further up the field. I mean, on current showing, Forrester a poor defence. I don't think there's much debate about that. So I'd be looking at some kind of Leeds attacker, probably. It would be great if Bamford's fit, because I think he would be a really nice, random, low-percentage punt Um. Again, you'd need to wait for news on that one. The other one I did note down is Leicester Villa, which seems like a, a really interesting match just because both teams have have ability. We know they do. They're both just looking a bit rubbish. So I think that could have goals in it, in which case you could look at, say, James Madison, for example, Tom. Yep. Or, you know, Dakar up front. And they've got a goal on the set this week. I was giving you a little in there for explaining uh, why you've got James Madison in any draft of your wild card. I haven't though. That's the thing. Oh, have um, you gone back I, on that? But I do I do I do like Madison a lot. I think that there's I'll speak about him in a minute in a moment, but I think that he's he's one who will hopefully be benefiting from a uh, a new manager mounts very soon. Uh, that's for sure. I, I wouldn't be surprised to be honest if um if Villa do win that. I think in my predictions game I've got I've got Villa winning it and uh hopefully that hopefully sounds a bit a bit a, a bit horrible but maybe that being the end of, of Brendan Rogers. Not that I've got anything against Rogers, but um I, I'd like Madison to have a new manager bounce and, and Leicester to be resurgent because I think it's a very good coming up. Um and give you on Bamford, wrote him down. I also wrote Sinistera at Leeds down. Yeah I had him down, yeah. 
how was he 6.5? It's one of those things that I didn't realize until I started looking at a wild card. It was just the XGI for Forest, though. XGA for Forest is absolutely ridiculous. 2.22 goals per 90. It's <laughs> unbelievable, especially given the amount of signings they've made. And well, so... I think that might be the problem, to be fair. <laughs> Maybe, maybe. And the other one up front, uh, perhaps, Enzi, would be Hunt and Welbeck against Bournemouth. I mean, it's, it's really kind of in that sort of level, isn't it? Those sort of 1% players that no one's ever going to be thinking of. Um, yeah, no, a few there, a few there. And next question, we've, we've kind of started talking about this a little bit earlier on, but Jay Mera asks, are there any 8 million uh, midfielder differentials worthy of our consideration? So, uh, as we said, uh, in pre-season, we were very excited about this category, but for all its fanfare, this category has been absolutely diabolical, hasn't it? And we haven't had the output we expected from the lights of Saka and Mount. And there are two in mind for me looking at the fixtures. If you treat things objectively rather than kind of saying he's done nothing this season so far. Well, you know, all it will take is a good performance or two from a player like this and suddenly everybody owns them. And yeah, uh, Lucy gave me, tries to give me the assist earlier. I'm going to uh, turn in the rebound and just say Madison um, is, is number one that I've been looking at. The Leicester do look absolutely rancid, but there are a few very good fixtures coming up. And other than the Spurs game in game week eight, they don't play another top six team from last year up until game week 14, which is the Man City game. So a really ideal sort of spate of fixtures for them to turn things around. And hopefully there may be a new manager bounce to feed off soon. <laughs> so yeah, Madison would be one, a talisman for his team. The other one, uh, another talisman for his team is Jared Bowen, 8.1. Um, so between now and the mid-season break, West Ham only play Liverpool and United of the top six in the last in the next ten game weeks, which is pretty good. I know that West Ham haven't come to life at all uh, thus far. He has looked better uh, to the eye, uh, not that that's translated into the underlying stats at all. Uh, blanked in every single game this season, uh, but another one. If he does start to do okay, uh, performance against Newcastle this week, for example, in game week seven, suddenly you've got a game against Everton away in game week eight. Um, which he could really get his teeth into. But uh, he's actually featured in a couple of my wildcard drafts, actually, more than Madison, just because it's, it's one of those sort of uber differentials, 2.4%. But I think actually, actually what I do here is plump for Zaha, if I yeah. was kind of thinking that. That's you know, my answer. To yeah. not answer the question and just pick a completely different player that isn't from the category requested. Well, I mean, he kind of is. <laughs> well, you know, it gives you spending money, doesn't it, for elsewhere? I think Zaha is the best option amongst all of those um and madison was the only one i noted down but he's i mean looking statistically at him his non-x non-pen xti is just terrible i know we're saying that there's likely to be a managerial change but it is just so diabolically bad yeah i cannot recommend him at the moment so yeah i had zahar as the answer and you could just use some nice money um i can't think that there's some kind of compulsory element where you have to spend all of it um so that would be my recommendation Cool. All right. Final question oh, to me. Uh, Joshua at what the big C. Tom is your wild card to chase upsides because you feel like your squad has a flaw. As its template, hashtag Beige FC. Do you feel like more people should be on the wild card? Or either way, he says, I hope it pays off for you. Uh, let's do it then. So, yeah, I wild carded. Why? Well, what makes this year different? Lucy's arched her eyebrow. She's leaning in. Is the answer not stout? I <laughs> thought the answer was stout. Yeah, the answer was that I was absolutely blottoed on Sunday. No, um, I think what makes this year different to the prior ones is that it was always going to be, for me, I've been saying this as well consistently, I can point to 
every pod where I've cited Praz saying about the low bar to wildcard and such, et cetera, uh, that this, the wildcard this season in the first bit was always going to be about optimization rather than wholesale change, I think. And, you know, I've, I've seen a couple of threads as well on teams to target going forward. And when things like Aston Villa and Bournemouth players being part of your wildcard gets mentioned, I think, oh, God. But basically, yeah, I've maintained throughout the preseason that there's a low bar to wildcard in this season. Um, and I guess it was just when I spotted there to be an advantage, I kind of thought, yeah, I'll go for it. And it, it, I, can't, I can't underline it enough. It takes different form to most years. Most years we take drastic action in the early wildcard. You know, we sell the sons we sell the canes and completely kind of reorganize for what's coming up this wild card is a very sort of incremental changey one to basically allow me to get ahead of the game in some places hopefully and tidy up in others there's no great change here and some may say that i shouldn't have wild carded then i completely understand that believe me i do because i've heard the same defense given by other people i've been sat there kind of thinking oh my lord what have they done but I've, I have said it all year. Come on. <laughs> that it's going to be about those sort of small changes. So, yeah, boils down to a couple of reasons, I guess. Um, low bar to wild cards. And also, I'm hoping that because I'm in the top 100K, I'm doing something quite unique for me, which is wild carding from a position of relative strength. So, in the past, I've had to do that drastic change and hoping to try to catch up. As it is, I'm not very far away from something pretty decent. I haven't thrown the baby out the bathwater. There are any incremental changes I've made. They were sufficient enough for me to think, you know what, I'm going to optimize myself a bit. And hopefully the gamble is I'm on the next template before everybody else gets there in a, in a couple of weeks. Obviously, that's the gamble and it could absolutely go belly up. That's really flimsy, isn't it? <laughs> but, um, yeah, I've been speaking to a few guys like Nick Maynard and my friend Chris. Um, and I, I, I genuinely, I didn't pull it on the Saturday night, even though I was really considering it. And I, I think. On Sunday, I was thinking, oh, I really want to go for it. And I think that's kind of what pushed me over the edge. Like with wildcards, it's always one of those things where it's very individual. You know, you can kind of go, oh, yeah, I'm wildcarding because everyone else is because Ben Crellin has told me to. But with this sort of thing, I always quite like to just kind of go for it and kind of try to make the most of that opportunity if you see one. Um, normally, oh, yes, I'll play it now because I should have done it last week. Yeah, I, 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 I could feel that brewing. That's the thing. I could feel that brewing, even though, yeah, I could have just sold... Cancelo for a four and brought in um, Mitrovic where I could have sold Diaz for someone and brought in Mitrovic. I, I still felt that there were quite a few kind of places in the team. I just wanted to just kind of have a little bit of a refresh. So it, it really is to go to go to Joshua's question. Um, it is about chasing upsides to some extent. It's not about thinking my squad had too much of a flaw. And I certainly don't think everyone else should wildcard too. I think it's just, I feel like it is very individual. I think that we definitely... It's a byproduct of how saturated FPL world is that most people will wildcard when everyone else is. And there's a feeling that that's the right thing to do. Maybe it will turn out to be the right thing to do. You never know. But my my idea was always that, right, post-transfer window, if there's an opportunity to optimize a little bit, then, then I'll take that opportunity. And, and that's kind of what I've done. Um, yeah, that's kind of that question. I mean, it's not that out there, is there? Is it? I mean, you're going in game week seven. A few people go in game week eight, and a lot of people go in game week nine. Like, it's not like you've gone. No, no, not at all. Weeks and weeks ahead, and it could pay off. And if it doesn't pay off, you're not like miles away from it. I don't think. I think what you're aiming for is what a lot of people will be aiming for in two weeks' time. So, 
you know, it'll all converge eventually, I think. It's just a question of, in those two weeks, do you get the benefit of it or do you fall behind? We don't know at this point. That's the thing. It's just kind of projects where things are going to go. And that's why players like Madison or players like Bowen, who aren't in my team at the moment, because I've still, you know, so I don't want to throw the baby out of the bathwater. I've still got Trent. I've still got Salah um, because of the Wolves game and because of the, the practical ownership side of it, which unfortunately is a factor. Um, but it's it's still you know one of those things that um, I feel quite quite happy with it. I mean, just to you know, we're moving into transfers and captains now, uh, but just to kind of say where I am to some extent. So I've got Pope in goal, uh, Ward stayed. Um, I just got double Newcastle defence. I said earlier on, which I don't mind at all. Um, you no, know, my friend FPL De Biro said to me that if you take out their um, City Liverpool games, which is which is never best practice, of course. But their XGA is basically halved. So more than half of their expected goals conceded was against, unsurprising, those two clubs. Overall, they've actually been quite good. And in terms of those players individually as well, Trippier, set-piece monopoly, bonus point generation, free kicks, and Pope saves. He's made the most in the Premier League at the moment. I think that kind of makes both of them okay um, to, to be paired together in, on the individual basis. And plus, if they get a clean sheet, that's good because the fixtures are getting better. <laughs> he says, trying to convince himself. As I mentioned earlier, James and then one City player comprise the musts in the defence. So alongside Trippier, I've got Diaz at the moment for ostensible nailedness. I don't know whether I'll stick with that, but he looks like kind of the best of that bunch. So he becomes like the proxy Edison. I said, I don't have Cancelo right now. I could, I think I'm going to have, I think I will sit on him. So it looks like he's going to rise soon. Um, but I don't really have him in my plans at the moment. So that's the four at the back. Um, and then you've got kind of, you know, like a Webster or a Fafana character. Probably Webster because I'm happier to play him um, in, in a lot of weeks just because he's a 90-minute he's hero at 4.5. That's where we're going. That's where we're going. In the field, Salah stays. Uh, preseason talisman hero pick, Trossard, comes in. Um, I've always found, I just really like the guy. And I, I think we're, I was watching the... The Brighton Leicester. Briefly, just say I've always fancied him, didn't you? Yeah, yeah. I, I just, I just love frozen tips. And um, but yeah, I mean, I, I was watching the the Brighton Leicester game with the intent to be scouting Madison, and actually, uh, first half, whatever. But the second half, how Trossard was utilised in, in that, I, I was just like, yeah, I, I really want to get this guy in. Uh, Marcelli stays, Andrea stays. I've got like a four point four third bench or something. And up front, uh, Harland and Jesus stay, and Mitro is new. So I've all carded to make seven or eight changes. I've optimized it a little bit. And um, the only decision really is whether I maybe go without Trent and get someone like Zaha, Bowen, or Madison. But I think that that's probably going to be Trent realistically. I don't want to throw the baby out of the bathwater, as I've said several times. And it's it's just unusual, Lucy. It's really unusual. Like, I've never wild carded from this position of strength, in inverted commas, before. But as I said, I just felt like it was the time, you know, and whether I've judged that right or wrong depends to be seen. As you said, I'm not too far out from anyone else will. I'm just hoping that there's a bit of advantage to be had there in getting players who you'll want anyway in game week eight or nine, like getting them in now without losing too much. I mean, the big loss for me is probably Diaz. So, I mean, it's it's it's, it's very sort of like I've, I've optimized, I've got one risk and I'm sure I'll be at FPL meets this Saturday. I'm sure that he'll score... 
and I'll be kind of outside drowning my sorrows with several beers. But hey, I mean, it's, it's kind of, I, I'm quite happy with the decision. I feel like some wildcards, you are kind of, I come on here and I go, oh, I regret doing it. I was just drunk or I was just kind of, you know, I was really panicking. But no, I, I did think, I did think it would kind of be coming fairly soon. It was just kind of one of those things that kind of after the game week, I thought, oh, you know, I can see how the things are going to go after watching the football this week and watching it last week. And I just thought, yeah, okay, I'll go for it. So my team's not anywhere near as exciting because I don't have a wild card. Um, my captaincy really depends on the Champions League and what we see there. If Haaland's rested or plays limited minutes, that makes it pretty pretty straightforward for me. If he doesn't, which is what I would expect, then it's a bit bit tighter and then I'm probably um looking at the hive mind predictions for confidence about his minutes at that point. Um if those are okay, I'll go with Haaland. If not, it's probably Salah. Um for transfers I really need to decide whether I'm wildcarding next week or the following week. So I know the game week nine's the kind of popular benchmark for earmarking a wildcard. I feel a little bit on the edge, not quite there. So it, it may be that I look at next week, in which case I can take a bit of a punt or potentially get on someone that's rising quickly um but at the moment i'm trying to stave that off so i'm hoping that i will be um rolling my transfer and then looking at two free transfers in game week eight which will then decide if i feel like a wild card's needed which i think it will be but um that that'll give me a bit more thinking time i think so very boring answers from me compared to wildcard man over there but you know someone's got to do it no it's fascinating though that we've gotten to game week seven and this is the first time i think where we've been more than three players apart which is probably showing how ridiculous the template has been at the start of the year and maybe i've jumped too early and, and i completely appreciate that that would be a risk factor for many people but equally the upside of finding opportunity in that risk is why i've gone for it uh captain wise i think i'm going to captain Holland. i think i'm yeah, gonna, i think i will be i think i'm just gonna leave it there leave it there now to be honest i mean as i said salah is now kind of in my mind squad player i'm sorry pj he's a squad player and he's my eternal vice as well i mean with Holland, with Holland, you're just dealing with a player who's able to hold in any game and, and it's there and it's there in his name it's nominative determinism so i think it's, it's just one of those where you're kind of i'm happy to do it i think that we're in a bit like last year when Salah was the captain for 10 game weeks or so, we've entered a really kind of cool part, a cool kind of... I know people get excited about differential captains or whatever, but I, I just don't really like the captainship in general. So I think it's quite nice to just kind of remove that from the equation. If everyone's got the same captain, then there's gains potentially everywhere on the pitch. And I think that that's what's really cool about it because you're not sat there kind of sweating the EO of two or three of the players in your team and basically coming down to a seven-man game. Um, I think as it, as it develops and people do start to wildcard and pop off and kind of go in the different directions now, which I really hope will happen after a really boring start to the season in loads of ways, but not boring so I was doing all right, but boring in terms of the discussion being quite lacking. We did a pod on enablers. We've never done that. Um, but hey, I mean, I, I think that that is going to be really interesting to see um, and hopefully will mean that EO doesn't, isn't a factor for a little while because I suspect that Holland's like, if he does do well against Spurs, which I, I would back him to do well against anyone, frankly, if he does do well against Spurs and people have gone to Salah because of the ostensible good fixture for Salah, I think that that, that will be start the the 
ball rolling a bit, but I think there'll be loads of people just kind of thinking, same as me, leave uh, us, I should say, leave on the Hollands and just kind of just deal with the rest of your team. So uh, I think it'll be uh, interesting times ahead, that's for sure. Well, that's your lot. Hopefully that was very useful. Uh, thanks for coming. Uh, thanks for coming back, Lucy. Uh, thanks for not running away. Um, I feel like the season's properly started now and uh, we can get back to regularly scheduled programming after a, a, a very a very nice interlude with loads of, loads of uh, with Nick on and things like that. But nonetheless, I think it's good to just uh, get, get things going as we intended at the start of the season uh, without any holidays to come. Well, I think if the wild cards are coming out, then the season really has started and let's hope it doesn't slow down again. Thanks for listening, everyone. We were Who Got the Assist. Um, you can find us on Twitter at WGTA underscore FBL, or you can find me at Lucy Hynett with two Ts. If you enjoyed listening to this, please like and subscribe to the podcast. For new listeners out there, if you think you'll be coming back, please hit that five-star rating across platforms like iTunes and Spotify so more people can enjoy the pod. Yep. Thank you very much indeed uh, for listening. Do go ahead and do those things. Uh, all good luck to me uh, with my wildcard this week. Uh, less luck to you all because I know you'll all be on the template team. But either way, we hope this is you. Farewell and all the best for game week seven. Oh, it's a goal. Who got the assist? Who got the assist? Podcast Network.